Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Melissa Roma on the line. Melissa, how are you? I'm great, Michael. How are you doing? I am awesome. Really, really looking forward to this conversation. And we were chatting up quite a bit before I hit record. I'm like, we better hit record because otherwise we're going to leave some leadership gold uh, on the cutting room floor. And I want to avoid that. So for those that uh, don't know you, why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I uh, Melissa Romo is my name, as you mentioned at the, in the intro. I'm the author of a new book called Your Resource is Human, How Empathetic Leadership Can Help Remote Teams Rise Above. And what people often ask me is, what are they actually rising above? Like, what is actually the problem? And that is what I, I, I do spend uh, the first half of the book exploring what remote work actually feels like for people who are doing it. And we know the flexibility is wonderful. We all want the flexibility. I've been a remote worker for more than 10 years, off and on in different different types of jobs. Um, and the flexibility, you know, 100% is, is such a plus, uh, for, for, uh, lifestyle reasons and, and many reasons, but we give up some things. We give up connections. We get, we do give up culture. Um, you know, we, we, um, we give up, uh, the company of other people. So we give up those things. And so I spend the book, the first half of the book, exploring that and what we give up and actually what that means for us. And then the second half of the book, I um, I help people understand what to do with that. You know, how to make remote work better, how as a leader, how to lead better, and also as a person, how to be sort of reflective of what you need in your remote work setup, so you know uh, to ask for it. So I am. Uh, so so that's my book. Um, my book is not my job. <laughs> However, my job is uh, I'm a VP of marketing for a uh, B2B software company, SaaS software company. So I'm in software marketing. Prior to that, I was in financial services marketing for American Express. And at the start of my career, I was doing um, fast-moving consumer goods, FMCG marketing for the likes of Procter & Gamble and uh, and, similar brands uh, like that. And so my career has always been in marketing. And uh, I love marketing. I love advertising um, and communications in general. And writing is the thing I do on my weekends. <laughs> so it's it, yeah, it's one of those things for those of us that have written books. Yeah, weekends tend to be the writing time. And you know, it's, it's good that we have that ability and, and desire to do that. Because your book is very, very timely and very important based on uh, the dialogue that we've had over these last three years, you know, going back to March 2020, when we all got, I don't want to call it permission slips to go home, but it was basically, uh, yeah, yeah, we we were we were all sent home. And I, too, have worked remotely off and on for quite a few years. So for me, it wasn't any any real adjustment. I had computers, cameras, microphones, all that kind of good stuff. So there was no problem. Uh, for me to segue into, you know, a remote type of situation, you know, I, I tend to put everything up in the cloud anyway, or, you know, through work or wherever and, and access things so I can pretty much work 
anywhere if if I had to, and it just it it makes it easier. But yeah, it, it, those early days it was a little chaotic. But now that we have kind of turned the corner from based on what people have said, um, and you, you just look around, you know, it's you know people are are getting back to whatever normal is. But the the remote side of things is different because there are certain cities that have more foot traffic and office traffic back than others. Um, and there are some that, you know, aren't even, you know, Toronto is a great example. And this is the second time I've mentioned this today in an interview, which is kind of ironic, but I uh, didn't plan it that way, but it works. Uh, Toronto is not even at 50%, downtown anyway, yeah. of their pre-pandemic numbers um, and there's some reasons behind that and same thing in other areas like Los Angeles and San Francisco which we'll you know kind of highlight in another conversation in a moment but it, it's one of those things where there's just not as much foot traffic so that creates all kinds of different yeah. issues and things like yeah. that so your thoughts on that yeah. Well, what are my thoughts? Well, you know, I, I'm really conflicted. I mean, I live in New York City. Office occupancy in New York City, I think, is somewhere around 60% or 65% now. Tuesday through Thursday, um, people going to the office is more normal now, um, especially in financial services. I think some in some uh, companies will see people even in five days a week. So um, there's more people going back in in a place like New York. Um, but New York has more public transportation. New York is denser. So people are, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people are closer maybe to their office. You look at a place like San Francisco, which has um, has the lowest occupancy of any city in the U.S. Usually, um, I, if, if people are interested in this, you can follow the data from Castle Systems. They publish it, I think, almost week weekly. Um, and usually, San Francisco is is the lowest occupancy. And I know people in San Francisco, and they tell me that it's a fortune to live in San Francisco. So the first thing they did when the pandemic happened is they moved out, and they didn't just move to like Napa Valley. They went to Colorado, Oklahoma. Montana. I mean, they went really far. And so now that companies, you know, the pandemic is sort of, let's say, blown over to some to some degree, um, and companies want to get people back, th those people have left. They're migrants. I mean, the COVID migrant phenomenon is really significant to the return, right? We We can't really, I guess, if you're a company, you can't expect people to move back if that's really important to you. But most people are just deciding to, to to just leave their job, right? They don't want to. They don't want to have to sell the house they bought in Colorado or wherever it was and and move back, so they don't. So, COVID migration is something I think that's really interesting. I think companies need to kind of pay attention to that. I my cousin actually was forced to leave a job that she was fantastic for because her company insisted she move. She's in Florida, and her company insisted I think she moved to Oklahoma City, and she couldn't do that. Um, and so she had to leave her job. They wouldn't let her do her job remotely. So, you know, companies have to look at migration patterns in the last three years. They, they've really significantly changed the work picture. And, you know, the, the thing I'd say in the whole debate about remote work is a company has to decide what's right for them, right? Some companies really need people in five days a week, right? Um, manufacturing, you know, it's not something that can be done from home, right? So companies like that and, um, 
Elon has a manufacturing company, and and it's really interesting to me that he has so much to say about remote work because people can't work remotely in his sector. I mean, maybe the technology folks and the designers, maybe they could work remotely, but for the, for manufacturing, it's not really a sector that remote work is even relevant for. So his sector is not relevant. Um, and so that's what I kind of tell everybody, just kind of take him with a grain of salt because his sector is really not relevant to, to this at all, to this entire debate. Um, but companies need to decide what is the right model for them. And, you know, I think that's that's a good thing, you know, and if they decide they want people in the office, that's great. They should decide that. They should be very clear about that because then it gives workers a, uh, an ability to choose, right? They can choose what type of company they want. And that's what's so important. And the thing of it is, and you had mentioned in the pre-show, you know, some of the dialogue that we're hearing right now from people like Martha Stewart and Elon, you know, saying, you know, Martha Stewart was, you know, it's going to kill the economy and things like that. And uh, my argument on that is, well, if it would have killed the economy, the economy would have been dead by September 2020. Mm -hmm. Here we are in the middle of 2023, economy's not dead businesses are still growing. It, it's a situation where there is some, got to be careful here, um, some out, outdated thinking on things. This is yeah. how we've always done it. Yeah. And if we don't evolve, then we would still be riding horses everywhere mm -hmm. and the horseshoe business would be booming. Um, okay. not, it's not now. Um, another thing in the, you know, to kind of go the opposite of what Martha Stewart said, and I, I like Martha, you know, I don't know her personally, but she's done some, you know, creative things in life and it's fine to have that opinion and all of that. And maybe in her organization, she needs people there all the time that, you know, that's, you know, their, their choice and things like that, but making it clear without the sensationalistic commentary around it, I think it would behoove everybody, all the players in the field. But O'Leary said, and I saw this on a social media post because he was on, I believe, Fox News. But he was talking about those high crime cities. We know about the high crime in San Francisco, and we know that there's some crime in New York City. Um, and there's other Chicago is another example where, you know, it's it's publicly known that, you know, crime rates have increased quite a bit in those areas. So a lot of people are one, they don't want to go and have a long commute to get in there. Number two, if it's not a safe place to work, they don't want to make that commute either. So if there's organizations that are going to mandate, no, you have to do that, you're going to see people like those in Colorado saying, you know what? No, I quit. And what's yeah. going to happen is those companies are going to get third, fourth, fifth level talent in those roles, they're not going to be able to get the top talent unless the top talent is someone that thrives in an in-person environment. And you know, that's it's one of those things where I tell people this is still new. And I know everybody wants just a resolution. They want it done two weeks to flatten the curve. We we get it. You know, we know all of those things. We we yeah. want we want resolution. We want it yesterday. It's like you're dealing with human beings not going to happen. So no. you have to figure out, all right, like you said, what do we as a company want to have? How do we serve our customers best? Mm -hmm. And 
say, we are going to be an in-person organization. If this is not the right fit for you, then be creative, offer either packages to let people go if they want to go elsewhere or you know, at least say, okay, working notice, like, okay, well, you know, you will give you a couple months to find something new, you know, hash it out, but, you know, please come in type of thing. And then there's other offices and companies that went, you know, we're, we're going to stay remote. Now, again, when they, when they go to the extremes, I always like that because Meta was a great example. Oh, you know, we're, we're going remote and we're going to stay. And I'm like, Wait a minute, we're just a few months into the pandemic and you're making a really bold claim about how your work's going to be. And now, you know, they're one of many companies that are saying, no, come back, come back. So it, when people were making such bold claims about what they were going to do when it came to work in those early days, I thought, mm, I wouldn't necessarily plan on that. But yeah, and, we, and we're seeing that, unfortunately. Yeah, we definitely are. We definitely are. It's not an either or. I think what's getting lost is um, remote work or hybrid work is a work design in a long list of work design options, right? It, it is just it's just one of the other options. And for some companies, it's great. For some people, it's great. And others, it's not. And so it, it, it is it kind of just has to be treated that way. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think, again, going back to what I said a moment ago, we got to have the conversation, a, a civil, polite, and yes, people are going to be passionate about it. Yes, you're going to have your your Martha Stewart's of the world and Elons that are just absolutely not, you know, they want to be as, you know, transparent about it, which is positive in a way because like, okay, we know where they stand on it. Yeah. But, but again, cutting out the sensationalism and say, okay, but before yeah. a company says that, it's... Yeah, but what, talk, what, talk to your people, you know? know. But what's getting missed, I think, is the fact that I mean, I know Martha's worried about the economies in the cities, but what's really getting missed is the job creation outside the cities. Like there are a lot of people in rural areas who now are able to seek jobs from where they are, right? And I actually think that couldn't that can lead to a revitalization of rural areas, which is something that this country really needs. Um, and I think that's great. You know, if I think about kind of places like West Virginia, and I think about what we've been living with for the last 10 or 15 years in places where old old industries are dying out, re remote and hybrid work could actually completely revitalize those areas. So, you know, I there's two sides to the coin, right? So, and I just think the, the, the job the, the job creation outside the cities is as important as the potential job loss in the cities. And I, I'm in New York City. I'm on the sidewalk almost every day. I don't feel any less safe than I always did. So, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the crime data, but it feels the same here. Yeah. And whenever I hear the media saying things and they show they show images that they're trying to fill into their story. So the reality of it, you know, I'll pick on Chicago. I was in Chicago. Hmm, how many weeks ago? Not too long ago. I used to work and live there several, several years ago. So I didn't feel a lot of sorts. Um, I was more amazed of when did that get built or, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't wait a minute. That's not a pub anymore. Oh, darn. I was, I was wanting a burger in there. It's like, geez, I don't, I don't think that law firm's going to feed me a burger. They might, but they'll probably just order it in. But right. I, it's, it's all about approaches and 
you know, yes, there's expensive cities, but you know what? There are people that absolutely love living in San Francisco. There are people that love New York City and all that it has to offer. There are people that I, I had interviewed a guy yesterday, born and raised in South Side of Chicago, has never left. He went out to the suburbs of Chicago for a few yeah. years and then went right back and said he's never lived anywhere else. And yeah, he, he's my age. So at me, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been, it's like, I'm going to live here for a while. I'm going to go live over there for a while. I'm going to, I, I just, I, I'm, um, a, you know, unintended explorer, I guess, because I never really had that in my mind when I was growing up or planning. But, uh, just getting back to the conversation, it, it's got to be, and I know this, you know, in talking with people and especially those that work in human resources, it has been a really challenging time for them mm-hmm. because you've got the employees that are like, no, you've got management that says something else. And they've always been kind of like a pinata because they have to somehow harmonize those parties. Yeah. But with all of this now, and then of course, you know, depending on the opinion of the executives of an organization, they're going to turn on the news. They're going to see what, you know, again, whatever flavor of news they want, they're going to see Martha Stewart say something and they're either going to be fully in agreement or fully not in agreement with it, depending on, on what their opinion is on it. But again, that just getting everything riled up, it just it, it doesn't solve the issues. It doesn't no. open the communication. It actually closes it. Yeah, but this is what this is what people click on. We're much more likely to click on the things that are connected to our fears and our worries than things connected to our joy and our happiness. Yeah, uh, we know that. And so this is what the the social media and the mainstream media are just sort of continuously churning out um, news stories about remote work that that actually are conflating like what it really is about and I think putting a really negative spin on it because people click on that but what I'd say though about so going back to my point about remote work being just one of many different models um, it's a great solution for some companies um, companies who choose it I mean I wrote the book not so much to enter into the debate of whether or not you know you should be a remote company or not companies have to choose what they want to do so the book doesn't really enter into the debate but the book is useful if your company has decided that it does want to permit remote work it does recognize that access to talent will require some remote positions and so you you recognize that you've decided that that's going to be part of your workplace strategy so what this book does is actually put something into the hands of leaders and remote workers to help them understand how to connect better and it sounds soft you know it sounds like they're the soft skills uh that you know emotional intelligence and empathy and all of that but these things are really difficult if you don't go into them with intention right if you don't sit down at your desk every day as a remote worker and think to yourself who are the people that i need to connect with i'm going to reach out to that person one-to-one i'm going to have some time to talk to them i had a great coffee this morning we're playing we have this game in my team called coffee roulette which is so fun so you put your name into the list and then there's someone who organizes coffee roulette you know, she sort of mixes it all together and then sends, puts us together in pairs. And so you get your pairing and then you schedule a coffee and you have a coffee with a different person every time we, we do roulette, like once a month, right? And so today I had coffee with someone I really don't get a chance to talk to very much. And it was 
it was fantastic. It's a beautiful morning. I sat in my patio and he was at his house and we just had a chance to talk about, you know, all kinds of things, you know, our families, what we're doing this summer. And that type of intention will, is sort of replicating the water cooler um, moment that we all talk about in an office or those serendipitous um, times when you cross someone in a hallway or you ride an elevator with someone and you get a chance to interact. Those things, you, you don't have to live without those things when you're remote. You just have to have intention about recreating them. And there are lots of ways to recreate those type of connections. And so the book gives a lot of ideas around conversation starters, um, around even how to diagnose what you need and what type of communication you need and what type of connection you need. So it's really meant to be very practical for people and companies who've decided that remote positions is going to be a part of, of the workforce strategy. It's an amazing resource, and I really highly recommend people pick it up because even even if your organization isn't currently, you know, a remote friendly type of organization, there there may come a time where you're going to need talent, and it's just not there, and you're going to have to say, all right, we have to look, and we're like, okay, here's the top person in this marketing role, for example. And they're in New York City and we're in Oklahoma City. And all right, we need them. They they've done this. They're they've led organizations to the level that we want to get to. Mm-hmm. You're gonna if if you're smart, just my opinion, if you're smart, you're gonna hire that person, you're gonna allow them to stay in New York. Okay, maybe fly them down every once in a while for in-person things. But I love the coffee roulette thing. It's just an amazing idea where it's just it's random. So that way you're not, you're not picking, you know, okay, you know, I like talking with them. I'll just, you know, continue having, you know, you can do that outside if you like, but it it really gives you an opportunity to, to work with more people on your team. Doesn't matter how big your team is. If it's big, then it's even a better idea because you get to talk with people that you may never encounter with and, and discover some things either could be friendship. It could be ideas for the next project or just observations it's having those conversations and being creative about it, it really makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's, so it's possible. You don't have to be in the office to, to connect. That's the central premise of the book. That's awesome. So love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you, the work you're doing, and obviously this book? Yeah. So this book is on Amazon or for sale in any bookseller. So you can ask for it in your bookseller. You can buy it on Amazon, which is where the majority of books are purchased these days. So it is there. It's in every country where Amazon sells books. So if you're listening to this in Taiwan, um, there's probably an Amazon you can buy it at. It actually has been picked up for a couple of translation rights. So it should be in other languages soon. Um and uh, me personally, uh, people can follow me on LinkedIn, Melissa T. Romo, or at Romo Writer on Instagram. And those are the two places that I like to be hang out in social. And uh, if you go there, you'll see links to uh, subscribe to my newsletter and be able to follow um, more closely what I'm doing and the private things I tell people in my newsletter. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Melissa, thank you again for this book. Loved our conversation. Thank you, Michael. Great to see you. Likewise. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.